Hey New Orleans Pelicans fans, welcome back to Unfiltered Dunks with your boy Chris Dotson from Forbes Sports. And I'm also over at Music Movies and Hoops, writing about the rest of the NBA, music that I like, and some of the movies that's coming out, and joints that y'all ain't ever seen before because they in black and white. But let's get into the black and white of the first game of the regular season for the New Orleans Pelicans. First up, anybody worried about uh, uh, Stephen Adams anymore and the space? We can move on. Thanks. Talk about the rest of the game. Perfect. Because the rest of the game was nice. Very nice. It wasn't everything that Stan Van Gundy is going to want to see once they start watching tape. But when you look at his four points that he mentioned, you know, in the preseason going into training camp about getting back on defense, looking at transition, protecting the paint, cutting down on fouls and turnovers. This New Orleans Pelicans team did a lot of that uh, above average and well above average from what we saw last year. I think you could say the product on the court that we saw in Stan Van Gundy's first regular season game has uh, given given fans a lot of excitement going forward because that looked sustainable. That looked consistent. That looked like it had structure. That looked like it had accountability. That looked like it had a little bit of adaptability if need be, if we if if the, if we ever got in foul trouble and needed to go 10, 11, 12 deep, because we've got a rotation set, Kyra Lewis Jr. and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, they'll have to find the minutes when they can. But let's look at all the minutes. Let's look at the New Orleans Pelicans game one reactions. First off, before the game even started, what we have? We had an injury report come out. Oh, Lord, an injury report from the New Orleans Pelicans. It ain't going to say nothing about burst or restrictions or none of that, is it? Nope. Said everybody's healthy. Everybody in the rotation's healthy. I mean, come on. Uh, there's, there's nothing better to be heard than everybody's healthy. They can play and understand Van Gundy. We were going to see a team that looked like it had purpose and it had some ideas and knew where to go and had a plan A, plan B, plan C. And you can hear a lot of why if you go back to the to the previous Unfiltered Dunks podcast that we had with one of the more controversial, I won't say controversial because I don't find him controversial, maybe polarizing. He defends some players. He's got real good insight. That is Jason Maples over at Contra Costa College. You know where he's at. Check him out on Twitter. Check out the last podcast. It was A1. And if you can Give the podcast a five-star review because, I, I mean, I think I'm trying to do a five-star job for y'all, bringing some instant analysis, bringing on coaches and asking them how to, how, to, how to approach the game and not just the same old speculation about the Pelicans. Let's really get deep down into the game. So, again, game one reactions. First, after an irregular, unusual, perplexing, frustrating first year of Zion, B.I., David Griffin, we finally get to see what the plan was last year. Last year, we kind of got to write that off. We kind of got to write that off. But going into this game, I mean, look, look, going into this game, it's irregular and unusual. We're playing Toronto Raptors in Tampa Bay. Why are we playing in Tampa Bay? Because of COVID and the pandemic, and we already had games canceled. Thankfully, again, the Pelicans are healthy. They're being smart. 
And they're going into not only the games with the plan, they're going into the season with a plan to, to stay healthy, to stay safe. That's more what I cover when I'm over at Forbes Sports is more the money and the sponsorships and how they handle things on that end. So nothing but good reports there. I can't cannot speak highly enough of how they are handling, keeping people safe, keeping the players distance when they're working out, maintaining all the NBA protocols that need to be maintained so that we can get a 72-game season in. And, I mean, let's, let's look at last season. Last season, they played 72 games. They went 30 and 42. They were 17th on offense. They were 19th on defense. I don't think we're going to see those numbers be as poor this season just by going off of what we saw in the preseason and in this first game against Miami. The pace, the pace last year, it was top 10. And in that pace, with that pace, the Pelicans wound up finishing top 10 in rebounds, assists, points per game. But they also finished second worst in turnovers and free throw percentage. Now, going into this, we had a Pelicans team that They'd been together for about a week, and they were playing They were playing the core of the champs that had been together for three or five years, but they had also lost. Well, they had lost Kawhi. They had lost Gasol, Abaka. They brought in, you know, Biembri. They brought in... I mean, they didn't really bring in too many people that should be scaring anybody in the Eastern Conference. I don't think Toronto's going to finish uh, top four in the Eastern Conference this season. As good as Nick Nurse is as a coach... The talent's just not there anymore. However, what we did see is that the Pelicans have a chance at being a top six seed this season. Probably fifth, sixth. Uh, maybe, we really hope they can avoid that play-in situation because, you know, you, you just if you get a six seed, you're assured a full four to seven game series. The play-in situation, you don't get as many pressurized games to see how this team's really going to respond to that. But we, I mean, in this first game, this, and let's look at it. This first game, we technically got a winning record for the first time in over 800 days. That's something to be proud of as a Pelicans fan. Come on. Since that playoff run a few years ago, it's the first time we've had a winning record. Uh, but we saw the structure on both ends. We, it, we know it's a work in progress. We know that they've only had a few weeks. We know that they're going to get, you know, it is it, it, they started slow and the raptors they were vets they had the chemistry but once they settled into the rotation which and stan van gundy's rotations are settled you got bi you got zion adams bledsoe hart reddit hayes melly anybody else you know kyra lewis Nikhil. they're gonna have to really work they're gonna have to hope that somebody's having an off night some load management some foul trouble and then that, that, that'll be the nights they really get some run. Other than that, they're on the fringe of this rotation because Stan Van Gundy's going for that playoff seed, and he knows that playing 12, 13 guys a night, you just can't build the chemistry that, that a championship team like the Raptors had a few years ago. You just can't build that by being so scattershot with your rotations and how you play players. But, again, let's look at, you know, per the – Per the, the, the state of Stan Van Gundy's four core values, how did their steam react right here against, you know, an NBA Finals team? When you look at getting back on defense and transition, we only gave up 16 points, but we had 24 turnovers. At least we got back. We didn't cut down on turnovers like Stan Van Gundy wanted us to, but at least we got back. Points in the paint, we lost 32 to 36. 
that's really not something you want to do when you have Zion and Adams on your team. But a lot of that was a uh, game situation. It was even on the scoreboard, you know, 32 to 36. That's only a couple of buckets. But when you look at the foul discrepancy, we shot 20. The Pelicans shot 20 free throws and only made 10 of them. Toronto, Toronto, Tampa Bay made 9 of 12. That just tells you there's a few quirks in this game. But, you know, in this quirky little game that the Pelicans played with not too much you know, time under their belt to really get used to each other. Going against the NBA Finals finalists, I mean, they stood the ground and they come out with a win that wasn't as close as that 113-99 scoreboard suggests. I mean, the Pelicans won the rebounding battle. They they hit more shots even though they took less shots. That's always, you know, a recipe for success. And the recipe for success looked a lot like I wrote about it, a Forbes article a few weeks ago, how... how B.I. and Zion are going to be running this offense. And they got Zion dominating the paint. They had him going downhill on some direct handoffs that, again, me and Coach Maples talked about. And it also me and Coach Roy Poplin from uh, Delgado in a future, or, or not future, in a past Protecting Us podcast. I mean, they had Ingram working the perimeter and the mid-range where only the elite stars used that range well and Ingram was dominating the positions. Lonzo was moving the ball around the perimeter, finding his shots and rhythm, not trying to do too much once once he was told to settle down. But, I mean, they all these players were getting to their favorite spots. They were getting to the free throw line. Uh, in the preseason, they did great. But not every night will Zion go 10 for 11 and Ingram 6 for 6. Tonight, they started 2 for 10, 3 for 10, and they wound up 10 for 20. So, I mean, they finally kind of got in rhythm, and it took them a minute. It's the first night. It's the first game. It's away from home. It's in an arena that wasn't even an NBA arena until a few weeks ago when Toronto had to move out of Canada. So, you know, or the Raptors had to move out of Canada. Y'all understand what I'm saying. Toronto ain't moving out of the country. Yeah, I don't think anybody in Toronto or Canada would be comfortable with that. And, I mean, it, Never mind. Let's move on. I won't try and make any more metaphors. That that was kind of a rough start or a rough transition, kind of like we had a rough start for Eric Bledsoe. But, I mean, you got to have faith. It's his first time. He's stepping in. It, it, it's a different dynamic, different team. He he really didn't have a chance during training camp. He had to get he had to get settled. And, but I've got faith. I've got faith. I think he's going to bring you at least 80, 90 percent worth of the defense and offense of Drew Holiday. He's still the veteran presence. He knows he's coming into a new team, so he can take a step back to B.I. and Zion, where, where last offseason, David Griffith was saying, hey, this is Drew Holiday's team. He's the leader. He's going to do all this. And that was kind of just more of like, okay, we understand. But during the media sessions, the first seven questions are going to be about Zion, and then the next few will be about B.I., and then the next question would be like, well, how did Drew talk to them two? And that's just how that went. Bledsoe can kind of take a different role, having almost the same talent, the same veteran leadership in the locker room, the same kind of demeanor. And it'll fit this team better because it won't be Bledsoe, that point guard, that veteran presence that's supposed to be on the ball being pressed into, I guess, the the front man role, the franchise man, the leading man on the marquee for the 
for the big movie on Christmas. Which, I mean, this was the Pelicans' big movie on Christmas until we get to Christmas. And I'm so much looking forward to that Christmas Day game, just like I know you are. In that game, I'll be looking for, for Eric Bledsoe to be in more of a rhythm, to be a little bit more comfortable. I'll also be looking for Zion to be used more. We had, I mean, we had Zion at one point posted up on a low block against Fred Van Vliet, and I think it was Bledsoe even that switched the ball around the perimeter. He just wasn't comfortable using such of a talent like that, even though he's just come from Milwaukee. He's used to playing with Antetokounmpo. It just... He was still finding his way in this game, so I'm I got I'm gonna have faith. I'm gonna have faith that when he sees Zion or Bi in a spot that's really great for them, he's not gonna worry about what the rest of the basketball play is. He's gonna see that the best play for the team is to just give the ball to Zion and Bi and play off of them, find the spots, and he will be wonderful for this team going forward once he gets comfortable playing. And it has that chemistry with the rest of the roster. But the whole roster needs to work on the chemistry. I mean, Ingram and Zion are still working on how they get in the pick and roll. Sometimes Zion bails way too early. I mean, Zion and Adams, their pick and roll needs a lot of work. They had a great little play at the elbow in the preseason, but sometimes they get into actions that, frankly, I think they'll be scrapped in the first two weeks they're just going to say not it, it's not working it's not it's not worth trying it even longer we're just going to get rid of that because it's too easy it's too predictable other teams can switch on to zion and adams and if the other three players on the court aren't really moving cutting curling creating some sort of havoc that confuses and gets gets the two main defenders on the ball that are that are trying to hold zion and adams down if their heads never have to leave the ball and the man, all that other action doesn't matter. It's just still too easy. It's too predictable. It's going to be defended, and that's not what we're going to be using in the playoffs. So I don't think Stan Van Gundy will be using it once the once you know we get to Martin Luther King Day and February, and we get we get really into the nitty gritty of the second half of the schedule because hey, the first half of the schedule is really tough. The second half of the schedule is when we're going to have everything ironed out and the Pelicans are going to be ready to dominate some teams that are already started to be tanking. The question is, what moves will the Pelicans make between now and that February or the March trade deadline that's being floated? Because uh, the most polarizing player on the team, you got Lonzo Ball. He In the in the preseason game, he took 20-something shots and nobody else took more than 15 that's not a recipe for success. The New Orleans Pelicans do not have, cannot have Lonzo Ball leading the team in field goal attempts for the season. For a game, maybe that can happen once or twice. The same way that Jalil Okafor could run a game once a month, but that's not going to be Lonzo. That's that's not his spot. And Lonzo haters got a lot of fuel for their fire because he had four turnovers in ten minutes right there for a stretch. He had three fouls, one for five shooting. I mean, he went cold. It didn't look like he'd come out of after that disappointing bubble. You would think he would come out with a, with a fire lit up underneath him, and it just looked like it was the same old Lonzo. He's gonna have to prove he's more than the same old Lonzo, or he won't be getting that max contract extension he's wanting from the Pelicans. And I mean. There is no reason for him to talk to the Pelicans for that contract extension when he's only going to say, I want the max or bust, and the Pelicans were never going to give it to him. 
there was no point in them talking. The Josh Hart talks, those probably got a little bit more, I don't want to say contentious, but lengthy. They probably talked about a little bit more numbers, tried to come together. Josh probably never come too far off of his 15 million down to anywhere below 14 and a half. The Pelicans probably never come up above 13 and a half. And that, that million dollars, they decided, well, Griffin, Griffin's notorious for letting the market set itself for restricted free agents. Josh Hart knows that there's no point in settling for a middle, which would actually be $2 million less than he's worth per season. Over four years, he'd be costing himself $8 million. He can play this season and possibly make an extra $18 million over that same eight years. So there's no, no contention on either side. Both understand. I mean, everybody understands everybody. Griffin and Lonzo understand what's going on with Lonzo wanting the max, Griffin wanting to see him prove it. Same way that Ingram proved it, then got paid. Josh had a number that he wanted. The team had a number that they thought they could offer now, move forward, and still have financial flexibility on the salary cap and and still be maintaining an asset that wanted to be in New Orleans. Josh Hart was wanting to be in New Orleans. As soon as he was traded it, he was texting saying, keep me. Now he showed... He's a New Orleans player. He's the heart and soul of that team that most embodies the city of New Orleans with the grit, the grind, the hustle. And he might only put up seven, eight points a game. Might not even really be able to dunk that much. Not to dunk on him, even though this is unfiltered dunks. But, hey, the layup still counts. That hustle, getting to the court, diving on the court, getting them loose balls counts. And it, that's a wear and tear on your body. And he really thinks he's worth that extra million. He wants to go out and prove it. I can't blame him. David Griffin can't blame him because if he does go out and prove it, one, the Pelicans can match any offer in restricted free agency, so they get to keep him for market price. And then Josh still gets the contract that he thought he deserved. He might get the offer sheet for somewhere else, but then it's matched by New Orleans, a city that he's always said he wanted to be in. So as much as I've seen Pelicans people tripping out on Twitter on all the different contract extensions and Lonzo Ball switching agencies two, three times in two, three months and Josh Hart tweeting out say less. All that say less was, all right, you want me to prove it? Say less. That's all it is. And he's going to prove it. I have no doubt in my mind he's going to prove it because I've talked to him. I've talked to his agents. They know, I mean, we even wrote the Forbes article, got some quotes out and, and, He's been working on an offensive game. He said during a media session that no player is going to argue about wanting to or being told you're going to have to shoot more. You're going to have to score more. We want you to lead a team on the, on the scoreboard a little more too and also maintain that level of what Gentry called being a Villanova guy, even though he said I wouldn't understand what that meant. Sorry, Gentry. I knew what it meant. I talked to Josh. I've uh, uh, been covering Josh a lot, looking at his podcast, listening I understand that heart, that grit, that grind, and so does New Orleans. That's why New Orleans wants to keep him. That's why New Orleans Twitter was on a little bit of an uproar, but y'all be patient. The same way if this team gets off to a slow start with his heavy top-loaded top, top loaded schedule, they're still going to be in there for the 7, 8, 9, 10 seed. We're still going to get the play-in situation, but we also have the talent to avoid it and get the 5th or 6th seed. Maybe even better than that if something happens to the Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Mavs. If the if Father 
time finally catches up with LeBron. Yet a trade happens with Harden and it shapes up the whole league. We don't know how that's going to happen. So the Pelicans are going to be in the thick of this race all season long. Look forward to it. You saw in game one, there's a lot to look forward to. I hope you enjoyed it. I mean, even ESPN gave a shout out that that was the biggest statement win of opening night was the New Orleans Pelicans finally playing defense, finally keeping the team under 99, uh, 100 points. Uh, Zion was quiet. He was actually kind of quiet. The team still won running away. That scoreboard, if we make our free throws, it's a blowout and everybody gets to play. But the Pelicans, again, to give you some hot takes, they're going to be in the fifth, sixth seed. Because this is the last season, as I said on the Music Movies and Hoops NBA podcast special with some D1 coaches, with Chris Connor from the Bird Rights, with Sasha Claire Abazian, the lead man that brought us all together. This is the last season teams were ever going to fear Steph and Clay Thompson. Then Clay went and got hurt. So it's a wrap on Golden State. That dynasty's out the way of the Pelicans. This is the last year of CJ and Dane playing together. That's a wrap on them. Portland will be out of the way for the Pelicans come next season. Harden's going to be gone. No free agents ever went to Dallas. Maybe Mark Cuban's going to make a move. That's why I think the Mavs can make the finals this year. This is actually their best chance. It's a shortened season. Mark Cuban won't have to pay the luxury tax bill like usual. I really see him. He's going to take a shot. But, yeah, not sold on the Clippers long-term, not sold on the Lakers long-term. The Jazz will be Midland. They've already lost some depth. Denver, they're going to lose some depth. It's time for the Pelicans to step up. They stepped up in game one. Again, we saw that structure. We saw that accountability. We saw how they could adjust. We see that after a week of practice. So let's give them six more months. Let's give them this season. At the end of the season, ultimately – This sustainable championship culture that David Griffith was talking about last summer is going to be more visible than ever. People are going to see that vision and be able to do more than dream about it. They're going to be able to think about even more possibilities behind that because we've got we've got now in this first game. I think this ain't too hot of a take. That was a better brand of basketball than we've seen all last year. So. Guys, New Orleans Pelicans fans, this has been Unfiltered Dunks with Dodson. I'm in the building. I'm your press guy at Forbes Sports. Also around the way for musicmoviesandhoops.com. Go over to YouTube channel. Give us a subscribe. Check out all that. Give me a five-star review on here if you like what we're doing. And until we went on Christmas Day, protect your nest through this holiday season. Stay safe. Mask up. Hope you all are doing well. Hey guys, again, do a five-star review for this podcast, Unfiltered Dunks with Dots, and maybe check out the YouTube channel for musicmoviesandhoops.com. You're going to want to do that because I went through, I, I went to Kickstradamus Live, checked out Kicks and Rips with many kicks, supported him, did a few things, spent a little bit of money. We're going to be donating some things to charity like Rated Graded PSA 10 Hologramic Zion cards, Drew Brees sign cards. We got a whole bunch of stuff coming from some of the biggest Panini cards, collectors, and celebrities in the game. It's all going to be going to New Orleans charities, and you're only going to be able to find out about it by subscribing to Music Movies and Hoops' YouTube channel, going to that page, five-star reviewing, 
and coming back and listening to Unfiltered Dunks. Again, happy holidays. Stay safe. Mask up. See y'all in 2021.